Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd love you to contact us at info at strateginvestorradio.com and invite you to go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strateginvestorradio.com. Today is the 1st of April, 2016. This is not an April Fool's uh, day for us, and we're very pleased to be talking with Roland Ostrup of Integrated Manage Futures of Toronto, Canada. He's a CEO and Chief Investment Officer. Roland speaks to us from their headquarters in Toronto. Roland, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. It's great to be here. So, Roland, I know you have a long and storied career in the managed futures industry. Tell us about Integrated Managed Futures. You know, that's uh, there's a long history because I've been around for a while, Charlie, and, and uh, it's a funny story because um, uh, recently somebody just told me that I'm the longest-standing commodity trading advisor in the Canadian marketplace, and it made me feel very old. But uh, with that in mind, uh, Integrated Managed Futures is a company I started. I actually started it in the late 90s after had, having had a uh, career as an investment advisor for the better part of a decade. Uh, but it really didn't get legs until I found my financial partner, Integrated Asset Management. So Integrated Managed Futures, we are a commodity trading advisor. Uh, we apply a global macro strategy in the futures marketplace. And our parent company, Integrated Asset Management, is about a $2.5 billion asset management company that's involved strictly in alternative uh, investments in Canada and alternative asset management, so private equity, private debt, real estate, and uh, through our company, uh, Hedge Funds Managed Futures. Great. So, Roland, uh, first of all, congratulations for being uh, the longest, we won't say the oldest, we'll say the longest advisor in uh, the futures marketplace in Canada. Congratulations. Uh, tell, for our listening audience, for those who may not be completely aware of what managed futures are, uh, a relatively brief introduction to managed futures. Sure, Charlie. Well, very briefly, managed futures really just identifies the group of portfolio managers that focus on investing in futures markets versus securities markets. Um, if you look beneath that veneer of futures, what are they actually investing in? Generally, what you find is that we're investing in a wide range of asset classes that have futures contracts on them. So we can trade equity markets, fixed income markets globally, uh, commodities and currencies all within one portfolio. So we're going uh, long uh, or short a portfolio of commodity futures on global equity indices, uh, global sovereign debt, commodities, and currencies. And the benefit to investors of that is that you're getting exposure to a much wider range of asset classes and investment opportunities than you can with just traditional markets. And so, therefore, you have the opportunity for uncorrelated returns and the potential to make money during periods of stress, much like has happened so far this year. And so, tell us, uh, what kind of markets are involved in the managed futures market? Well, again, Charlie, just like I said, the markets are really a wider range of asset classes. So uh, you're, you're talking about commodities, uh, So you've, and that really splits into two, two main branches. You have industrial commodities, which are things like crude oil or, or natural gas, or bro broadly the whole energy complex, and base metals. And then on the other branch, you've really got agricultural, which are things like uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, cattle, hogs, and then uh, soft commodities like coffee, cocoa 
cotton and sugar, uh, but there's also uh, an equal amount of financial assets. So they include currencies, so the U.S. dollar against any major currency. Uh, you, you can also invest in global sovereign debt, so the direction of interest rates in Germany, Japan, Australia, Canada, the United States, uh, as well as global stock market indices, S&P 500, NASDAQ, S&P TSX here in Canada, uh, the DAX in, in Europe, uh, you know, Japan, Australia. Again, it's a global portfolio of equity indices, sovereign debt, commodities and currencies. And when people think of the uh, managed future, the futures market, they often think of very high risk, concentrated directional bets on, you know, soybeans or whatever it is, uh, the gold, the dollar, whatever it is that they're investing in. Is that necessarily the case? Is managed futures necessarily more high risk than, you know, the U.S. stock market, for example? No, in fact, I would say it's quite the opposite. If you look at the history of professional managed futures returns, and you can you can see that by looking at any index for managed futures, Barclays CTA index, SG uh, CTA index, what you find is that the returns are far more stable than the stock market uh, over time. And, the, and these are indices that go back as far as 1980. And, and, you know, I think the best way to look at it is that you know, anybody that decides to trade any market with a high degree of concentration, whether it's a stock or a futures, is creating risk. Anyone that's managing the level of volatility they want in their portfolio uh, and applying proper rules of diversification is able to tame uh, the risk in any investment and, and create a very stable portfolio. And that's what managed futures is all about. It really is cry- trying to create very stable uncorrelated returns with much less variance in the stock market over time. You know, I was watching an interview uh, recently with Ray Dalio of Bridgewater uh, Investing, which is uh, one of the the largest um, uh, hedge fund in the the country, probably the world. They manage about $160 billion. And uh, he said the most important thing about investing is asset allocation. It's not really the manager, it's asset allocation. And he talked about the importance of being diversified, diversified, diversified. So what, and, and what we often hear is in the regular portfolios of investing in our 401k plans here in the States, as well as in regular uh, investing portfolios, People think they're highly diversified, but there's an old saying that says that in a bear market, the only thing that goes up is the the only thing goes up is correlation, because those emerging markets and gold and the U.S. stock market and even bonds they can in 2008 they all correlated going down. So what you're talking about is true diversification, much more than most investors are going to have in their own portfolio, because it includes all of these products that they typically don't have, so, uh, commodities, etc. Correct. That is absolutely correct, Charlie, and I couldn't agree with more. I mean, Ray Dalio is, of course, as we know, one of the savviest investors uh, in our in our time. But that is the, the one key that investors should recognize uh, and advisors should recognize. The one free lunch that does exist is diversification. But you have to really know that you're getting real diversification. To say, well, I have a very diversified portfolio of stocks isn't going to help you if all stocks go down. Diversification means truly being invested across as many asset classes and strategies as possible 
uh, and, you know, all that have fundamental soundness underneath them. Um, and in managed futures, I've often made the point to, to our clients that in our portfolio, there's actually more asset diversification than most advisors have in the rest of their portfolio because we can access commodities and currencies in addition to global equities and, uh, and bonds. Yeah, and I would agree. So let's focus a little more on integrated uh, managed futures. Uh, do you guys use fundamental analysis for all of these commodities and things that you're investing in? Or is it strictly technical analysis, looking for trends and the like? Uh, what do you look at to determine what you want to invest in and how? Well, I'm going to add a third category. You mentioned fundamental and technical analysis. I think there's a third category, Charlie, that's very important, and that's called quantitative analysis. We believe in doing quantitative analysis and let the data tell you whether your beliefs are right or wrong. And, and when we do quantitative analysis, we're looking at both fundamental and technical information. Uh, so we can look at technical information such as trends in the market, and momentum is certainly a component of what we do, but we can also look at valuations and yields. Uh, so we can look at the price of a commodity relative to its cost of production or a currency relative to its you know, uh, uh, purchasing power parity, things like that. So we use a combination of quantitative and technical information, uh, but ultimately we're using quantitative analysis to try to tell us where's the, where the greatest possibility of a trend is going to be. You know, um, at the end of the day, whether using fundamental or technical information, everybody needs directional movement to make money. Markets have to trend from one place to another to make money. So in that sense, we're always looking for trends. Uh, but to find those trends, we're looking at both fundamental and technical information and using quantitative analysis as the, as the, uh, uh, as the toolkit to analyze information. So all of the markets that you guys are in here, Roland, I mean, they're, they're all over the world, and there are dozens of markets between the equities and commodities and the energies and the currencies and the like. Does uh, integrated managed futures focus on a few of those and kind of leave the rest alone? Do you try to focus on all of them? Do you kind of specialize? Are you more generalist? How, how do you approach the marketplaces? Right. So when it comes to the markets, the individual markets that we look at are the sectors, we are generalists in the sense that we're applying our skill across a wide range of markets. What's our specialty? Our specialty is understanding how to assess value, momentum, and yield in underlying markets. We're, we're very good at understanding whether markets are priced correctly or not, regardless of what the market is. Uh, and, and, and we also understand how to construct portfolios uh, of multiple different positions uh, and really take a bunch of individual positions to, uh, into a portfolio and manage the risk in that. So much like you mentioned about Ray Dalio, the specialty is in the asset allocation, and we are very good at allocating assets across a wide range of commodities and understanding whether they're undervalued, overvalued. Uh, we're not looking for specific situations like today this is going on in the zinc or the copper market. We're rather looking at it at a broad macro perspective. Is copper broadly overvalued, undervalued? Is there momentum or not? Is it negative, positive? And then how do you put all these things together in a portfolio? So we're specialists in how to create portfolios and manage the risk in portfolios, uh, but we're generalists when it comes to the application of that across a wide range of markets. And uh, you will typically hold about how many positions at a single time? Well, there's an 80-20 rule in everything, Charlie. I mean, we trade 63 markets, and we always have some position, I would say, in the bulk of the markets. But if you said, where is the real exposure? Typically, at any point in time, we have exposure in terms of what's driving the portfolio, 20% of the position. So really, 14 to 17 out of uh, 63 markets are really driving the portfolio or are the positions where we have some, some meaningful weight behind them. And are you typically uh, more long than short or, or vice versa? Or uh, you know, are you completely agnostic there and it just however works out? 
In principle, we're agnostic, but in reality, because equity markets tend to go up over time, as long, so long as GDP is growing over time, uh, most of our positions in equities will tend to be on the long side. In the case of commodities and currencies, it's more symmetrical, where you, you're tending to get an equal amount of opportunities on the long or short side, which makes sense, because being long one currency implies being short another. And current, there's no one currency that has a tendency to go up over time. They tend to ebb and flow over time. And same with commodities. The cure for high prices is high prices. The cure for low prices is low prices. And commodity prices really don't go up over time any more than the rate of inflation. So you tend to find that the opportunities are equally on the long or short side in the case of commodities and currencies. In the case of uh, equities, they, as you would expect, more often than not, we're making money from the long side, and only occasionally do we identify those bear markets where we're able to make a lot of money on the, on the short side. And uh, do you use significant leverage or no leverage? Uh, how do you handle that? Um, well, in our portfolio, we don't really use leverage in the sense that when you're trading the futures market, um, you're putting up what's called a good faith deposit, which basically says you're credit worthy to take the uh, one side or the other of a futures contract. So in our portfolio, typically about 10 to 12 percent of our assets are being used to margin our futures position and the rest is sitting in cash. So typically we have a, you know, 80 to 90 percent of the, 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 the portfolio sitting in cash, which is excess collateral for our futures position. Now, Roland, hold that right there. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, let's talk about what market or financial environments are productive for you and which ones are not productive. Again, we're talking with Roland Ostrup of Integrated Managed Futures of Toronto, Canada. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. And we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Roland Ostrup of Integrated Managed Futures out of Toronto, Canada. And uh, Roland, every investment strategy has environments or mar- or market conditions that are productive for their strategies, and every strategy has market conditions that are unproductive for their strategies. So what market conditions work very well for you and what market conditions are more of a challenge? Sure, Charlie. I mean, that's a fair point. People have to know where they're pro- where, where these strategies are going to work, but they also have to know where they're not going to work. Um, the environments that tend to work well for managed future strategies tend to be environments that have some level of directionality. So you've got trends going on, going on one way or the other. Um, the, and that, by that I mean, I mean, managed futures makes money in most bull markets and most bear markets. Where they tend to struggle is in the transition from one regime to another. Now, 
oftentimes those are short-lived. So if you look back historically, you know, when the commodity bull market rolled over in 2008, managed futures struggled in July and August as commodities rolled over, but then had a great year because they were able to capitalize on the downfall of uh, both commodities and equities in the latter half of the year. Um, similarly, when you had the transition from global financial, crisis, global financial crisis to recovery, managed futures struggled because you had a lot of uh, easy money policies and coordinated efforts to put a floor under the markets. At the same time, you had a natural deleveraging, preventing the, uh, you know, a lot of growth across many markets. And so you had an environment where commodities and currencies really didn't move that much. The only things that were really moving were were equities and, and, and rates as, as, as interest rates came down. So managed futures kind of had a soft, flattish period for, for two or three years uh, in the first few years after the financial crisis. Um, so those tend to be when we, when we don't perform, and any time you get directionality up or down, uh, managed futures do pretty well. I mean, uh, for, for, for investors that aren't really, haven't looked at it closely, if you look at how do managed futures perform, in up and down markets, the, rea- the reality is when uh, when when stocks go up, uh, the, the average monthly return when the S and P is positive, managed futures are typically up 85 basis points. When the S and P 500 is down, and managed futures are typically up 91 basis points. So we kind of make money in most environments, but where we don't make money is at those transition points, and and in particular when managed futures don't do well, tend to be in the transition after a period of crisis to the ensuing recovery. So our worst period of performance in managed futures tends to be the times when equities are doing the best because they're recovering off of the bottom, which is another reason why it's such a good fit in a client portfolio. We hedge the risk, but then the times that we do the worst are typically the times you don't need us in the portfolio because everything else is bouncing back very nicely. Roland, the last few years have been very, very challenging for commodities. They have just... uh They've definitely been trending, and they've been trending down. But that is not a disadvantage for you because you're not investing long only, correct? Well, correct, Charlie. I mean, a classic example of that is our returns in 2014 and 15 were positive because we were able to capitalize on commodities going down by making investments that profited from the price going down. You know, it's interesting. I I find that uh, there's significant opportunity in managed futures, and yet most investors have very little exposure to it and very little confidence in it because they don't know it well. And for some reason, you know, they, they have come to know the U.S. stock market better, even though uh, it's, it's uh, just as challenging, if not more so. How, how do you guys overcome those difficulties in working with either advisors or investors in overcoming their, their, their difficulties to address that particular marketplace? Well, in part, it's education, Charlie. It's really just pointing out the facts. Uh, I think one of the big reasons that, uh, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll actually just add to the comment that you made into the question, institutional investors are very much invested in managed futures. I mean, if you look at the uh, alternative investment uh, AUM globally, managed futures is, is, is the first or second largest subset of, of the broader hedge fund categories of, you know, long, short equity, merger are, you know, all the different hedge fund strategies that are out there, managed futures is actually either the largest or second largest segment of that. So what you see is that it's an over $300 billion industry, uh, but most of the investors in that space uh, are, are the investors that are, are, are more institutional in nature uh, or, or, or the, uh, you know, the, the, the very high net worth that have accessed it directly. The 
distribution medium, meaning the advisory market, has it's really been a new area. And for us, it was very important. As I said before, I was an advisor for a large part of my career. And when we started our company, I was very interested in creating products that would go after the advisor market because it was very underserved. So we're in the point now where we're educating that marketplace, but it seems to be working. If you look at the, the Morningstar managed futures mutual fund category. It's now about $20 billion in assets. So you're seeing that there's rapid growth and acceptance among the advisors now. Once they become aware of the strategy and become a little bit educated about the strategy and they see what it does in a portfolio, it's very easy for the advisor to understand that it has a role in their client's portfolio. So I would think that that's changing right now. We're in the midst of that changing because the advisors, uh, the, 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 the products have really only started coming to market since 2010 to the advisor market, even though they've been well invested in institutionally for the last you know, 20 or 30 years. So oh, tell, I, us, uh, tell us a little more, Roland, about integrated managed futures. You have separately managed accounts, and I believe now you have a mutual fund. Well, we have two mutual funds. The, f- the funny thing is, in, I mean, we're in Canada, so the easiest place for us to start was looking in our own backyard. Uh, and in our own backyard, uh, we have a mutual fund partner in Canada, and we, we, we started by launching a private fund uh, in 2007. And once we built a two-year track record, we converted that into a mutual fund in Canada and then grew that you know, quite significantly. And then we did the same thing in the States. We launched a private fund two years ago, incubated a track record. Uh, it caught the attention of our, our, our mutual fund partner now, and, uh, and we converted that into a public fund in the Canadian marketplace, or sorry, in the U.S. marketplace. Give us the ticker symbol of the one in the U.S. marketplace. Well, the, the U.S. one is called the uh, Alpha-Centric IMFC Managed Futures Strategy Fund, and the ticker is IMXIX, IMXAX, uh, and you can get more information on Alphacentric's uh, website, which is uh, www.alphacentricfunds.com. Okay, thank you. So give us a little pitch here. Uh, what, se- what do you see that sets integrated uh, managed futures apart from the competition? I think there are two things that set us apart from an investment strategy standpoint, and uh, they are that we focus on only long-term fundamentally driven source of return. We don't look at you know, trying to make money from any trend in the market, short-term long, or medium-term or that. We focus on looking at valuations, yields, and long-term trends in the marketplace. So we, do, we pay a lot of attention to the fundamentals in, in, in uh, determining where the investment opportunities are. And the second thing that differentiates us is our focus on risk management. And, and a lot of people say that they focus on risk management. Well, one of my partners and one of the, one of the persons that I worked with when we first started the firm was the co-founder for the Masters of Quantitative Finance program at the University of Waterloo, which is one of the top-rated quantitative finance departments anywhere, and all they do is think about risk and how to manage risk. And so all of our asset allocation models and, and, and risk overlays and stress testing have been built in conjunction with our partners over there. Uh, and so we think we do a very good job of managing risk in the market, uh, hedging risks out of the portfolio when we identify that there are, there are, that there are risks that are too, too, too great to be in the portfolio. Uh, and so that, in conjunction with staying focused with long-term fundamentals, has given us a competitive advantage. And um, the only other thing that sets us apart is, I would say, structurally, and this is very important, you get a lot of emerging managers out there. One of the things I realized early on was it's very difficult to have a good idea and, and be able to build a company unless you have a strong balance sheet and a strong financial partner. And so I partnered with a very strong firm in Canada that has really given me the ability to have my team stay focused on investment management as opposed to having to manage all aspects of the business. I mean, being part of a multi-billion dollar 
uh, financial organization gives you uh, the ability, both in terms of dollars to spend and, and people that you can hire, to do good research and to uh, to put real bricks and mortar around your business. And I think that does set us apart from a lot of our competition. So, Roland, a question we always like to ask every one of our guests is, what keeps you awake at night? Well... Uh, the unknown unknowns are always the biggest things that keep me awake at night, uh, Charlie. And the, and the biggest thing that keeps me awake at night in, in looking at unknown unknowns are what, is, what are the impacts of, uh, you know, greater assets that come into the space? How do the dynamics of markets change if more and more people start using active strategies as opposed to just passive strategies? So we're constantly trying to think about how is the world going to change because of the new information that's available, because of changes that investors are making and how they invest capital. Um, and, and honestly, those are always unknown unknowns because you're looking forward, not backwards. You're looking, you know, it, it, and that's always difficult because you don't know what tomorrow's information is going to be uh, or how the world is going to work. And, and too many too many managers make the mistake of trying to uh, uh, appease the things that keep them awake at night by just looking backwards and saying, well, how can I make sure I don't make these mistakes historically rather than looking forward? Um, so, yeah, but that is the biggest thing for me, Charlie, is uh, what are the things I don't know? And most of the things I don't know right now are going to be how will markets change as alternatives get a greater and greater market share of investor assets. And the second question we always like to ask, Roland, is what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Only one. <laughs> You're welcome to get more than one. <laughs> I have a few favorites. They're not necessarily the most recent, but again, from the perspective of being a money manager, one of my favorite books way back when was The Market Wizards, which came out oh, in the 1980s at some point in time. Uh, because for me personally, it's, it's really more about the mindset you need to be a successful investor. It's the behavioral traits you need to not make the mistakes of you know, selling the bottom and buying the top. Um, but books to me that uh, talk more about the fundamentals of market are very interesting. So The Alchemy of Finance was you know, George Soros's book from 1987, which I, I think is really a, a classic book to talk, that talks about how markets really function uh, and how markets and investors interplay and how it causes bubbles. And, uh, and, and, and that was a very important one for me. A little bit more timely book that I quite like is uh, Capitalism 4.0. It was written by Anatoly Kletsky immediately following the uh, global financial crisis. So, again, that's a, a bit dated book, but it was a really good book in explaining how capitalism works and how it evolves from one crisis to another. And I think it's important for investors to read those types of books as opposed to uh, books that say how to invest. I think it's more important for investors to understand how investment environments change and what strategies are likely to make money going forward as opposed to going backwards. And, and, and the, 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 I'll just give you a very simple thing to finish that thought off. A lot of books that are out there look backwards and say, how did it, what were the best investment strategies from 1980 to present? Well, those can't work today because in 1980 we had single-digit valuations on equity markets and double-digit uh, interest rates. Obviously, buy and hold is going to work when you start in that environment. Today, it's the opposite. We have zero interest rates and, and, and we have valuations that are at all-time highs. The strategies that will work going forward 
are not the same as the ones that worked over the last 20, 30 years. I think the books that people need to read are the books that try to identify what's really going on in the environment today and what's going to happen going forward. And in that regard, I think Capitalism 4.0 was, a, was, an, was an outstanding book. Thank you. Those are excellent thoughts, Roland. In fact, they're, they're quite unique and original in uh, the, the thoughts we've heard about books. We appreciate that. So give us your website. How can people contact you guys? Sure. Well, they can contact us at www.imfc for Integrated Managed Futures Corp. So www.imfc.ca. But they can also go to the website I pointed earlier, www.alphacentricfunds.com, in order to be able to get any information on our U.S. mutual fund. Okay, appreciate it. And final words for our audience from you here, Roland. Final words, I think you've pointed them out already when you mentioned Ray Dalio. Investors and advisors should really focus on diversification uh, in order to create the most stable long-term returns uh, in their portfolio. Focus on diversification and systematic rebalancing. You know, so if you've got an asset allocation model that puts a certain percentage here and a certain percentage there, if one thing does well and the other does poorly, rebalance. That's a natural way to take profits and, and to average down on the things that didn't work. But focus on diversification and then systematically rebalancing. And, of course, include managed futures in that bucket. Roland, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate you joining us here on Strategic Investor Radio. Well, I appreciate it, Charlie. So we've been talking with Roland Ostrup of Integrated Managed Futures out of Toronto, Canada. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we wish you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science.